Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. I've got the privilege to talk about anger, and um, God is good, right? Uh, when, you, when you preach about something, you always have an experience about that something that you can share. But different to most of the times, uh, so most of the times I preach on something, I get tempted to um, do something. I, I very seldomly have an experience of somebody else doing something that, that gives me more insight into the sermon. On Friday, I had a, I'd had a um, intervention with a group of people. And there was one gentleman that gave me so much insight um, that I'll be always grateful to him. We were talking about forgiveness, and when I was done, he put up his hand and he said to me, So Ziggy, what if I don't want to forgive? And I thought, oh, this is going to be interesting. We had a chat about that. And then he said what he did not want to forgive, and that was... A shock to the core of me. He said, you white guys, right? You are, don't deserve to be forgiven because you have never repented and you have, are still hurting us. And I was, okay. So we had a discussion about that because it really interested me to understand what he's all about. And it turns out he was hurt a lot. And when he was done explaining, I explained to him the impact of his words. I explained to him that since I was married to a Namibian lady, and I'm not Namibian, when she heard things like that, she would always want to flee. As soon as Adela would hear anyone saying anything hateful, she would be fearful and would want to leave the country. And I explained to him that if we did not push through that fear, our youngest son would not have parents. And he didn't understand what the whole thing was about our youngest son. Why is that even significant to the whole discussion? When I told him that our youngest son has the same skin color as him, he was shocked. It was a lovely experience. His honesty caused us to have a discussion that ended up in love. But I want, what I want to emphasize is his, his anger that he did not deal with caused a lot of tension, a lot of fear, and have, could have caused things that he could never have anticipated. We are busy with an amazing series. So I would like to recap on what we've done on the series. And I'd like to shed some light on what I've just explained in my sermon. So let's recap on what we've done. We're in a series where we talk about what does love require from us. And Zabilla started us out on that. 
That's a great pleasure, Zabilla, just for you, right? She said, when we accept Christ, we are called out to a different relationship with him. I hope that that really sunk in, because that's very significant to our lives, our daily lives, and the way we engage with people around us. She said that God can handle our emotions, which is so true. And very often we feel that we, we should be fake in some way for God to be accepting us. I think being real within each other is extremely important. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. She said, she quoted C.S. Lewis, right? Always C.S. Lewis, always. Um, and I think we often forget how significant that is with our anger. And I'll try and highlight that a little bit later. She said, you have as much time as you want to use. I just put that in because I thought that was a great quote. I don't know what to do with that one. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and then she also uh, stated that as Jesus loved us, we should love each other. We need to be purposeful. And I think that being purposeful is very significant. Being purposeful in loving each other, not only hope it might happen, but being purposeful in loving that other person. After Zabilla, Rico had a, a go at it. Aww. And Rico said, everything we achieve comes uh, from God via the Holy Spirit. And I think that's something we often forget. We think we need to deal with our anger, with all these things that are going on within ourselves on our own. You're not alone. God has given you a comforter. He's given you the best counselor you could ever have. He's living within you if you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Then Rico said something very significant. He said, culture adjusts to the common sin to make it acceptable. And this had me thinking a lot about things that I start to accept as just normal and okay, which should never have been normal and okay. It's very easy to jump to the whole thing about people not being able to say whether they are male or female and that kind of thing, because that is so far away, right? But how about the way we deal with each other? How about the way you deal with somebody that is begging at your door? Does society say chasing that person away is okay? How do we deal with those kind of things? Then Rico said something which I'll refer back to um, frequently today. He said, mercy is not receiving what we deserve. And I so loved the last song we, we sung, where our sin is so great, but God's mercy is good enough, is great enough to deal with that. Forgiving is not... A suggestion, it is a commandment, uh, Rico said, and we'll touch on that today again. Have a deep desire for righteousness, righteousness, and God will fill you with it. Have you prayed for that desire? I don't think I have prayed enough for that desire. And as I reflected on that, I, I thought I should make it more of a habit to pray for that desire. 
Then Brian's turn came. And Brian said a couple of things that I think are very significant that we should remember. We are placed in a world that knows nothing about love. Nothing. And the more you think about that, when you engage with people and they talk about love, it sounds more like lust than love. It sounds more like it's something about themselves than about others. When we accept Christ, we, uh, we change because the Holy Spirit uh, that lives within us. I don't know whether the two of them had a discussion about that thing. Um, maybe you read the same book or the Holy Spirit. I don't know. Um, <laughs> when a spirit-filled person, and I thought this was very significant, when a spirit-filled person is dropped into a, this world, there's an expectation that there's an ex impact. Have you spent time thinking about what is your impact in the area you live in? whether good or bad. If you're a spiritual person, you should have a, a good impact. Not because you have to, but because you want to have an impact. And then Brian reminded us that we look forward towards a reward. This is not our home. Our home is in heaven. That's where we want to be. Great. So, I have the privilege to pray about a text that's positioned after the Beatitudes, it's positioned after the instruction to be light and salt, and it's positioned after the place where Christ said, I fulfill the prophets and the law. So it is after Christ telling everyone how they should be living, right, what they should be having as an impact, and what he's already done so that they don't start thinking they are supposed to do it. And it's before... He talks about any of the other things. The thing is anger. So let's have a look at what Christ had to say. He started off with talking about murder. Uh, so the mur a murder is something we intend, we intend to do. We, we decide to kill somebody, right? Uh, it is with intent. And that gets judgment. He's very clear about that. But then he carries on and he says... I say the following. He says that being, being angry without cause is also going to have the same judgment as the murder. Same word used there. And you see, anger very often doesn't need a cause. Anger often has an irrational cause. The gentleman I spoke to on Friday when I asked him about specifics, he didn't have specifics. There was just so much. And it is an irrational anger that he had. Then anger goes forward and it causes us to insult people. The word there is raka, which means, dude, you're worthless. You have no worth. And Christ says that also is going to get you in, in, in trouble before the council. Then he carries on and he says, sometimes it will cause you to think that someone is a moron. Somebody is stupid beyond belief. Isn't that very often what happens to us when we're really angry at someone? We start to think they have no brain at all. And he says, 
Well, that's going to get you even into a worse place. So, every time he talks about brother, and I just wanted to highlight that. Who's your brother? When Christ was asked that question, he told the story about the Good Samaritan, right? He purposely spoke about a person that the crowd that was there would feel is inferior, not on their level, not to be, to be connected with. Your brother. Or sister, right? Um, <laughs> anyway, I thought that was funny. Um, <laughs> So he carries on. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, right? So you're doing something to please God, right? You're doing something to please God. And you remember that your brother has something against you. Not you have something against your brother. You remember, hey, hey, that person might have something against me. I might have done something. He says, then leave your thing there and get reconciled to your brother. All right? Is it possible that God desires mercy more than sacrifice, more than worship? Is it possible that God desires more that you give someone mercy than he desires that you do great works for him somewhere else? Is it possible that God desires that? He says, come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Now, that reminded me a lot of another story I love very much and I tend to end up at so often. The story about the unforgiving servant. Let's quickly have a look at that story. So this guy has this massive debt with his king, right? And his king decides, okay, let's get this guy in and we're going to sort him out. Um, this guy owes the king 10,000 talents. Can somebody just take a wild guess? How much do you think that is in today's money? 357 tons of gold. That's, that's a lot, right? That's a lot. Okay. So, that is even better than what I had up. <laughs> well done. Okay, then he carries on. So, he lets him go. The king says, hey, that 357 tons of gold, you don't need... That's a lot, right? They don't need to pay that. And he tells him you can go. And then... Uh, he meets a guy that owes him a hundred denarii. Do you know how, many, how much that is? That is about 40,000 Namibian dollars. 40,000 Namibian dollars. All right, great. <laughs> <laughs> that deserves a round of applause, right? Yo, that's well done, well done. So, so one talent is about 6,000 denarii. Right, one talent. So I made a different calculation. <laughs> so I, I went and I worked out. So they say one denarii is about uh, a basic laborer's 
day fee, right? So if, if we take it to today's money, if, and we say the basic fee for one day is 200 bucks, right? Then you would say that the, the guy that owed him something, owed him 20,000, so I'm out 20,000. What is 20,000 within, amongst friends, right? All right, but what this guy owed the king, if you take that calculation, is 12 billion. You see, we very often read through the story and we don't realize the comparison. You don't realize how much you have been forgiven. What is the impact of that? That we don't realize how much we've been forgiven. Does it make it easier to be angry at someone when they don't treat you the way you think you deserve to be treated? Is it? The story carries on, um, and I think it's very significant to note the following. The first thing that happens is that his fellow servants are greatly distressed. I think as Christians, we don't realize that you're actually freaking out the other Christians when you are angry at people, right? You're causing a freak out around you, right? Okay. And then the other thing that is very significant is what the king said. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? You see the mercy coming up again and again. It's important to note that God desires mercy. And if we're not ready to give mercy, he's going to do what the king did. And that word jailer is a very bad translation in my, my eyes. The translation I think that is more proper is torturers. Because when you refuse to forgive, your torture starts that day. You get tortured, doesn't it? Have you ever been angry at someone and decided not to forgive them? And felt great about that. If you have, I know some psychologists. <laughs> the challenge here, and I think for me, what, what broke my mold the first time I look at, looked at it, was what Christ said after that. He said, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. When Rico said it is a commandment, he was talking the truth. Wasn't that amazing? Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> there you go. Let's see where all of this started. Because I think it's important to understand where, why did Christ tell this story? It started all with his disciples asking, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? You see the pride there? And what Christ did is he took a child, put him in the center between those people, and said to him, if you don't become like this child, you're not going to make it, guys. What's the difference between the disciples and the child? I think pride. 
right? I think that thing about I deserve more, I think that whole thing about being carrying this debt with us and not forgiving. Children are normally very forgiving. Then temptations to sin come. And that word temptation, the original word is that, you, you know when somebody sets a trap and they take a young branch and they pull the branch over and they set the trap on the bottom, it's all intention. The tension is caused by this branch. That is temptation, right? It is there. And the animal plays with that. The animal goes through that and doesn't even realize that this thing is dangerous, right? But as he goes through that, this thing flips up and snaps the neck of the, of the animal. Temptation is like that, right? We play with temptation. We think, ah, it's not that bad. It's not this, this terrible. And then suddenly it snaps and it's over. We should never play with temptation. We should see it as the branch that makes the trap kill you. Then he talks about the parable of the lost sheep. And he says, hey, if somebody's lost, it's like a guy that has got 100 sheep. One gets lost, he leaves the 99 and goes and finds that one. And Christ told this story because he's, he wanted to emphasize how important that one is. That lost sheep. That person that is your brother that you might not think is your brother. Is there anyone in this room that knows who Christ will save at the end? No, you don't. Right? That, that Muslim that you are engaging with might be saved. He's your brother, guys. That arrogant person that just makes your life hell might be saved. He's your brother. Or she. Sometimes it's a she. She's also your brother. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Then Christ carries on. And he tells this whole principle to, um, to his disciples. If your brother sins against you, Go and tell him his faults between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Remember, it's still about relationship. It's still about saving your brother, right? Whoever that brother might be. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you. That every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them... Tell it to the church. This is the word is ecclesia, 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 right? Ecclesia. Uh, and that means a group of people. We often refer to this as the discipline of the church. I think Christ just gave them a practical example of how to live in general, whether in church or outside church, right? And if he refuses to listen to them, that is the whole ecclesia, tell it to the church. Uh, oh, yeah. No, sorry. I skipped backwards. Uh, and if he refuses to listen to even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. And a lot of people go now, yes, he can be like a Gentile or tax collector. But remember, you love Gentiles and tax collectors. And we give mercy to those that are doing wrong to us. That is how we live as Christians, isn't it? It looks like this in a picture. 
You've got stress with this person, you talk to that person one-on-one -on -one to first see whether you can sort this out between you and them. If they don't want to, you get two or three other people to join. If they still don't want you, you get everyone that you can that is involved in this whole thing. And you all talk to this person. The aim is to save that person. If he still doesn't want to be saved, you put that wall there and you, you acknowledge that this person is not like all of us. But you still love this person. We still love that person. And then Christ carries on and he says to them, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So many preachers have used this to their financial advantage. So <laughs> it's about relationship, right? It's about you binding a relationship or loosing a relationship. And that has already happened in heaven as well. And I, again, I say to you, where two or three are gathered together and they ask for anything uh, from my Father, it will be given to them. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Now, Christ did not say where two or three are gathered together and agree about a Mercedes-Benz, right? We're still talking about relationship here. Christ is talking about re-establishing re a relationship. It looks like this. Now, you've gotten to that point where that person said, eh, I don't want this. And then you talk together, and if you decide this relationship is not going to happen, it's not happening, right? Even in heaven, it's not happening. If you decide, okay, we want to restore this relationship, and, and maybe even get a third person to help you in restoring this relationship, Christ says, I will be in the center of that. I've seen the most horrible relationships restored because everyone agreed they want to restore this relationship. Christ was doing the work of restoration. We often forget that this is what it's all about. And by the way, when you meet for a Bible study and somebody says, so brothers, we are two or three together, so Christ is in the center of us here. Ne? Think about what you're saying. Is Christ not there when you're praying alone in your room? It's got nothing to do with us gathering together. It's got to do with us agreeing to restore a relationship. Now from this, uh, Peter got upset. Uh, and Peter said to Christ, Ish, must I forgive this person seven times? And Christ answered in a very peculiar way. No, you must uh, forgive it seven times, 70 times. Now, Peter would have counted to 490. 491, he would have beaten the guy's teeth out, right? <laughs> That's how Peter functions, right? So those numbers can't be numbers. So I think these numbers might mean the following. Seven is the number of completeness. So Peter was asking, must I completely forgive my brother? And Christ answered, no, you must completely leave it in God's wrath. Because that is what 7T refers to, apparently. Right? And I think that corresponds with other verses in the Bible, Old and New Testament. So we're talking about anger. So what does anger do? Right? Um, anger prevents you from giving mercy. Christ was asked twice 
about things. So that, that first verse that I've got up there, Matthew 9, verse 13, the context is uh, he had just called Matthew, the tax collector, to be a disciple. He's now eating with all these sinners, and the, the, the um, church people look at that and say, Ish, is this okay? The pastor is sitting with the, with the prostitutes and the, the people that are doing dodgy things here. And Christ said, God prefers mercy, right? He prefers mercy, okay? And then the other time they walked through a field on a, on a, on a, a Sabbath, and once again, the people said, hey, but that is not the, the way you should be living your life, right? Not eating, yeah, taking grains and eating them on a Sabbath. You shouldn't be doing that. That's not okay. And once again, Christ said, God desires mercy. God desires mercy more than sacrifice. I think we need to remind ourselves of that. Then the other thing that happens with anger um, anger starts with us believing that we should be the greatest. It starts with our pride. Think back at the last time you were angry. You were probably angry because you thought you don't deserve this. Righteous anger is when you behave in a way or respond in a way because somebody else does not deserve this. And that's not going to get you killing anyone. But as soon as you start thinking about yourself and you are the center of the universe, you are, you are in danger of going in the wrong direction. Then, we must remember, anger freaks out other Christians. You don't only hurt that person that you're angry at. You, you're hurting everyone in the congregation. You're hurting everyone around you. So you need to sit out sit down and sort out that anger with that individual within or outside of the church. Then anger is often driven without realistic reason. So often I hear people talking about an anger and there's no realistic reason for it. It is an emotion that has popped up and doesn't make sense anymore. It makes you think that others are empty and worthless. And it makes you think others are morons, dull or stupid. So in other words, inferior to you. Now, think about it. Does anger make you think about God's creation, his children, because you don't know who's going to be his child one day. Does it make you think about them that they are worthy of your anger without cause? Does it make you think they're empty and worthless? Does it make you think that they are morons? In other words, below you in some way. Christ in Luke 7 verse 47 um, talks about this lady that was forgiven much. And therefore, she loved much. I think we should ask ourselves, what have we been forgiven for? And ask Christ to remind us of what we have been forgiven for. And when we know what we have been forgiven for, maybe anger would not be such a big issue anymore. And we would love more. You see, anger 
creates a divide between love and us. And Christ is the one that gives the bridge that we can love more because we have been loved. Let's pray. Lord, I praise you that we can be in this world and have an impact. I pray that you will make us love each other with a love driven by mercy, a love driven by the knowledge of what we have been forgiven for. I pray that you will make us victorious over all the anger that we experience and that is directed at us. I pray that you bless us in such a way that we can take the hurt that comes and give love. I pray that in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.